Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. This message really is my life message and it's called, Who Do You Think You Are? And the reality is, like I've already alluded to, is that we are today living out who we really think we are. We're living it out by what we think about ourselves. So it's so important that we do believe those words, pretty, pretty please from God. Because you are living out, you are a living testimony of not what's happened to you, not what people have said about you, not what people have done about to you, but what you actually believe about yourself. I don't know about you, but I still find myself after 37 years, sometimes I still have to remind myself of the things that I thought I already knew. I thought I knew that I was loved and valued and precious and beautiful in God's eyes. I thought I knew that he values me and he's placed gifts and talents and has a destiny. Until sometimes, not as much as it used to be, the enemy whispers in my ear, maybe through somebody else, maybe through a circumstance or something that happens, and, and I'm taken off guard. He takes me off guard and actually speaks to me and says, well, who do you think you are? And I thought I already knew. And momentarily, in my weakness, in my humanity, I forget what I thought I already knew. But the reality is, like I've already said, the way we think governs and directs the way we live. And the limitations that are in your life today are not because of what's happened. I, I could say, you know, I, the limitations in my life are because of this, 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 and this has happened to me. But in God's economy, that doesn't wash. Because we have the potential to be everything that he created us to be. The limitations we face today are a result of what we think about ourselves and the thoughts that we have taken on board. Our thoughts are powerful. And you know what? We can't change what's happened to us, but we can change how we respond to what's happened to us. And that was a hard lesson for me to learn. We can't change what's happened, but we get to change how we respond to that. And what we think and believe about ourselves determines how far our potential in God will go and is outworked. It's more about what we choose to believe. No one else but you and I has the power to do that. I used to look at my husband. I married a very strong, capable leader who's been in a family, a stable family all his life. And I used to look at him and think, he, you know, God will show him what my purpose and destiny is and, and he's going to make it happen. It's going to come through that vehicle. But the reality is until I changed my thinking, nothing was going to change. It was up to me. And my destiny really is about the power of choice. You know, when I was confronted with that thought, the first time I was confronted with the thought of the power of choice, that I could choose to be different. I could choose to have what... I may have looked or seen in other people and I could choose to have that, that freedom, that confidence, that potential. 
And when I was first confronted with that, it really, I didn't like it, to be honest, because it confronted my victim mentality. And it made me realise that it put responsibility back on me. That's what it did. And my choices. And I didn't like it. But Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man or a woman thinks in their heart, so are they. And it's so true. So what is your heart telling you? Ralph Waldo said, What lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. It's so true. We can't be any better than we decide to be. It's all dependent on what we think about ourselves. We're the only ones that can believe what God says about us. Kind of sucks, doesn't it? (laughs) But it's true. Sir Edmund Hillary, who conquered Mount Everest, he said, it isn't the mountain we conquer, it's ourselves. And it's so true. You and I were deliberately planned, specifically gifted and graced, and lovingly positioned on this earth by the master craftsman himself. We are validated by God and his love. But unless we believe it, ain't nothing going to change. We can blame everything and everyone else, but we're the ones that have to believe it. Ephesians three sixteen to 20 in the Amplified Bible, which is the woman's version. There's lots of words in that. It says, may he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself, indwelling your innermost being and personality. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide and make his permanent home in our hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love, what is the breadth, the length, height and depth of it, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience that you may may be filled through all your being until all the fullness of God may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes and dreams. In other words, what we really believe deep down determines the course of our destiny. Your thoughts will take you on a destination. No doubt about it. But we need to decide which destination that's going to be. I don't know about you, I get sidetracked doing the housework. I'm like starting one thing and then the next thing I'm in another room and I'm like, what am I doing here? Oh, that's right, I was back here. We have to control our thoughts and not be all over the place. John Burns says, what you see in your life today is a result of your thoughts yesterday. 
out of your thoughts that you are dwelling on today, you will bring forth the things of tomorrow. Our future is our choice. We can make our tomorrows what we want them to be by thinking the right thoughts today. So my question is, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Because when you know something, it changes everything. When you really know something, it changes everything. When you know you're loved, when you know you're valued, when you know you are beautiful to Him, you're here in His purpose, for the purposes of God, it changes everything. Your whole life, your attitudes, your outlook to life will be different. You know, we run a home at home called A Girl Called Hope. And it's a six-month residential home for young girls up to the age of 28 who find themselves in a situation in their journey in life where they need a hand up. They're girls that have been controlled by, they have life-controlling issues, such as eating disorders, cutting themselves, depression, teenage pregnancy, other things. And it's interesting to watch these girls because they've lived many years with life-controlling issues. And all of a sudden, somewhere in the program, the program teaches them life skills. It also teaches them God's value. And somewhere along the line, the penny drops from up here to here. And they realise, I actually can have control. I don't have to have life-controlling things controlling me. I can have control by simply believing God's love. And something shifts and their whole life is turned around. I've seen many, many girls graduate and tragic stories that have happened to them along the way. But the Word of God actually works when we believe it. And it's just evidence right there before your eyes to know that we have the potential in our thought life, in what we think, to fulfill what God's placed in our life to fill. You know, if you were to ask me today, what wisdom would I pass on to my younger self? I would say I would believe God a lot sooner than I did. I wish that I believed what God said a lot earlier, thank you, than I did. I wasted so many years, even before I knew God. Wasted so many years and I would have told my younger self, believe, please, pretty, pretty, please, believe. You know, self-worth is a gift we we get from God, but self-respect is a gift we give ourselves. We get to make that choice. David Foster has got a book called No Mediocre Life and he says this, The simple instruction of Scripture is to be honest in your estimate of yourselves. Measuring your value by how much faith God has given you, it is in Romans 12, 3. If it's wrong to overestimate yourself, isn't it at least equally wrong to underestimate yourself? Because we haven't learnt to balance pride and humility, the paradox of our time in history is that we can buy more but enjoy it less. We have more conveniences but less time. More degrees, but less sense. More knowledge, but less judgment. More medicine, but less wellness. We have multiplied our possessions without adding to our worth. 
We're obsessed with making a living but not a life. Medical breakthroughs have added years to life but not life to those years. We've done bigger things but not better things. We eat fast food, we suffer slow digestion and shallow relationships. In our quest to get the good life, we have two incomes but more debt, fancier houses but broken homes. We take quick trips, use disposable diapers, possess a throwaway morality and buy pills that do everything from cheer to quiet to kill. All in the futile quest to get what we already have, which is love. <laughs> Philippians 4, 11, 12 says, I am, Paul says, who God says I am. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I've found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Like the Apostle Paul, his identity came from God. Our identity comes from him. And that knowledge, when we really understand that, liberates us to be all he created us to be, which is your beautiful self, not somebody else. That's what beautiful looks like. Do you know what ugly looks like? Ugly looks like when somebody's trying to be somebody that they're not. Ugly's not an outside appearance. Ugly is what's on the inside. And it shows in people's attitudes and what they think about themselves. But beautiful looks like being comfortable and living the true you. That's what true beauty is. You know, when I was a young girl, I told you a little bit about that. I, I, I really didn't know who I was. And I allowed other people to dictate who I was. And unfortunately, wrong people, wrong outcome. Hung around with the wrong people. I was like that little duckling going around. Are you my mother? You know that book? Are you my mother? Are you my mother? Asking all other animals, are you my mother? Because I didn't understand my value. So I try to fit into their value system, but unfortunately their value system was warped. The people I hung around with didn't have a good value system. But Jesus Christ is God's statement of our worth. You are worth his love. You are worth his sacrifice. You are worth his death. What more do we want? We are highly valued and that's what matters most. E.E. E. Cummings wisely said, To be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best to make you everybody else means to fight the hardest battle which any human being can fight and never stop fighting. If you allow other people to tell you who you are, two things happen. On the one hand, people will underestimate your worth and value. On the other hand, they will overestimate what you can actually do and neither is healthy. So true. So three things, I'm into threes, three things that we need to do to help get our thinking straight and actually know and live out who we are. And the first one is, in the nicest possible way I can say it, is to shut up. Stop the self-talk and listen to God talk. 
stop the self-talk and listen to God talk. We all have to learn the art in this world that is cramming busyness and hecticness and all the social media so that we can't have any moment to just stop and be with God. Got to be in a quiet place and shut the negative voices out and listen to the voice of God. You know, self, self-talk is a common thing we all struggle with. I'm stupid, I can't, I'll never, I'm not, whatever it is. We all, we all self-talk. You know, psychologists say that it takes 10 positive affirming, affirming statements to balance one negative one made to us. Half the time, we're the ones that make them. We don't really need enemies to make them. We, we do it our, we're our own worst enemy. It also says, psychologists also say that we spend 80% of our time in our mind. That's kind of scary. Unless you've got your thinking right. It can be a positive thing if you've got your thinking right. 80% of our time. Okay, to counteract that, this is what Romans 12 tells us to do. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to stand the test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. The Message Bible said, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. That's what the Word of God does. That's what taking time to listen to God does. It changes us from the inside out. Do you know the enemy understands the power of our self-talk? That's where he has a play field, field day, in our brain, in our mind. He understands if he can call our bluff, he wins. Unfortunately, he's taken many, many people and associates in my life as a pastor, if I look back at the people he's taken out. But it's all been from who they think they are. And he wants to know who we are. Do we know? He wants to know, do we know who we are? And if we don't, he'll contain you. He'll keep you small. He'll keep you isolated. But if he knows that we know who we are, he, he, can't, he can't get there. So his question is, well, who do you think you are? And if you can come back and say to him, I know who I am, this is who I am, then his power is gone. You know, David the shepherd boy, to me, took down Goliath with his healthy self-talk when he was a little boy out in the back of nowhere tending sheep. He knew God believed in him. He didn't think he was a loser. He didn't think he was just a little shepherd boy that nobody cared about. He knew who he was. So when he was given the opportunity to stand before a Goliath, he didn't have to think, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what a big giant. Oh, no. When, when Goliath asked him, who do you think you are? He just responded back, well, who do you think you are? He said, you come to me with a javelin and a sword and all your little toys but I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you, I know who I am. I know whose I am. So take that, sucker, and off with his head. 
Yeah. But you know, our weapon against the enemy is the Word of God. It's not our own strength. It's not how good we are. It's not how many self-help books we've read. It's actually the Word of God. It's powerful. It plants courage into us. The Bible tells us to encourage ourselves in the Word of God. It literally means it plants courage in us. So that when stuff comes, when opposition comes, we've got the courage to stand up. Say, no way. This is who I am. We can stand in boldness and confidence and courage. We know that. We know what the word, we know that. We've heard it. You've been in church long enough. You know that, but do we do it? Do we do it? Do we actually every day listen to the voice of God, read his word, know his word? There's one thing to read something, but you've got to know it. I had to, I had to, devour, 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 until I knew it on the inside. Once you know it, forget it. Nothing's going to change your mind. But you've got to know it. Dr. Caroline Leaf, a neuroscientist, says, we can be our own microsurgeons, brain surgeons, by choosing to renew our minds on God's word. So true. Oftentimes, you know, if I've given my... Testimony, sometimes people just ask me to give my testimony, which I don't actually do very often, to be honest, like just the whole message of my testimony because I feel like I'm talking about myself too much. But um, I'm really giving glory to God for what he's done. But anyway, people ask me the keys. What are the keys? What are the keys? That's why I wrote the book, to be honest, because so many people have asked me, and it's hard to tell it in a 30-minute message what, what it is. So I was like, you know what? You know, I'd say, well, I went to God. And they go, yeah, but what did that look like? I was like... Well, I don't know. So I had to go and think about it. And I, that's, I did write the book and realised that I had keys that God had given me that I didn't even realise were keys. They were just like things I did. But, but the biggest thing was actually devouring the word of God and believing it. That's what changed me. That's what changed this. It actually transformed my thinking. So we've got to, first of all, shut up. Secondly, speak up. We have to own that, like I said, for ourselves. It's got to go from secondhand knowledge from somebody else till you've got to own that for yourself. And once you get it in here, you've got to speak it out. You've got to stand on that. You've got to get that grit inside you that says, this is it. This is what I believe, and I'm not going to deter from this. Philippians 4, 12 to 13 says, I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstance. I'm just as happy with little as with much, which much as with little. I've found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whether I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything. You know, the confession of that word has to come from in here. It comes from, goes from human perspective to God's perspective when we actually speak it out. When we, we speak it out and own it for ourselves. Confession of God's word out of our own mouth is powerful. When we feel weak, we have to remind ourselves that I am strong and I can make it. I can. In the one who strengthens me. So we have to be quick to speak up because the enemy's strategy is always to keep us small, keep us weak, keep us pathetic, insignificant, to shut our voice down. He wants to shut your voice down. And what we need to do to counteract that is to speak up loudly and own the word of God. We have to speak life wherever we go. Take charge with the word and your words. 
You know, like I said, when I was 10 years old, my father died and my father was everything to me. He was my idol. I was a little bit on the spoilt side after four boys in the family. But I was daddy's little princess and I adored my father and it broke my heart when he died. It shattered my life. And a year after he died, my grandfather died and my grandfather was a beautiful man. My father was a gentle giant. He was a lovely man. But my grandfather was a good substitute for my dad. And every night I, I, I spent some time, I spent a lot of time at their house as a little girl and he, if I stayed overnight, would just hold my hand. He made a little bed on the ground beside me and would hold my hand until I fell asleep. And he was a, he's a lovely man. But a year after my father died, he passed away. And a few months after that, like I said, my mother just thought, well, I'm out of here. So she took an overdose and ended up in this institution. She had three nervous breakdowns over a period of a few years. But while she was in this institution, which was horrible for a little girl, going to see her unable to communicate with me, laying in the bed after having shock treatment with bruises all over her head. It's that barbaric treatment, which I don't think they even are allowed to do anymore. But, yeah, I felt rejected and abandoned and had a bit of an orphan spirit, probably didn't even realise it. But one thing that didn't help was my grandmother, in her love for me, she didn't mean to do it, uh, we would walk to the supermarket. I would stay with them and... In those days, you'd walk to the supermarket and pull this little trolley behind you and fill it up with the groceries and then pull it back. So going to the supermarket was like a half a day event with my grandmother because she talked to every neighbour along the way. Then we'd come around the back way to talk to other ones because they used to have time to do that back in the day. Quite a nice thing, actually, a community spirit that we've probably lost in this busy generation. But anyway, we would spend all this time. And I still can hear, and I was, probably, I was only like 11 years old at the time, my grandmother going, she used to do that a lot, that poor child. That poor child. She's lost her father and she may as well have lost her mother now. And that poor child. And she would give a report of how horrible things were to the neighbours, how sad things were, how devastating things were. And, you know, when you hear that long enough, you start to believe it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a poor girl, that poor girl. That's right, I, I'm, an, I'm an orphan. I'm rejected. I'm abandoned. And that confession then started to come out of my own mouth. And I lived as a victim as a result for many, many years. And one thing I had to learn is to harness my speech. I had to learn to speak out the word of God and bring life to those words of death that have been spoken over me. Even the reality of the things that had happened to me, I had to speak life over them. That was my something I had to do. So we need to learn to shut up. We need to learn to speak up and then finally stand up. Somewhere along the line, you have to say enough is enough. Enough is enough. Decide who you're going to believe once and for all. Who are you going to believe? Who do you think you are? You know, change only comes with personal revelation. And I made a choice that I'm going to live free by drawing a line in the sand. I clearly remember it. I clearly remember thinking, even after I got married, I remember thinking, 
because I had issues. I had been sexually abused. I'd been in abusive relationships because I got in the whole drug scene. I had a lot of wrong stuff going on in my brain, in my heart, in my soul. So I clearly remember thinking I could just live with this or I could do something about it. And that thought and that decision changed the course of my life. I thought, you know what? I want the best marriage God intended me to have. I want to be able to open up my heart and have an intimate relationship, not just a closed off one. And, and that was my choice. Deuteronomy 30, 19 said, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. I get to decide. You get to decide who I'm going to be, who you're going to be. You get to decide. I'll never forget listening to Christine Kane when she first found out as a 37-year-old, I think it was, that she was adopted. She'd lived all her life thinking her parents were her parents and then one day through a course of her brother, I think going to get a passport to go somewhere, found out that he was adopted and came home to tell Christine. She's like, that's ridiculous. Don't be silly. And then she realised, oh, hang on a minute. Maybe I'm adopted as well. And she found out through a course of events and realised that she was adopted. And she said she never, she'll never forget standing in the, in the kitchen. And on one hand, she had the word of God that said, before I knew you, before you were in your mother's womb, sorry, I knew you. I had purpose and plan for your life. She had the other black and white document that said that mother, uh, child's name unknown, unwanted. And she had a clear dec- decision to make. Who am I going to believe? Who am I going to believe? You know, sometimes, and I can concur with this, life tries to rob us of our confidence. But we have to decide not to stay there and remain a victim. God created you to be a somebody, not a nobody. And I'm so, so thankful that our past is not our future. Our past is not our future. Maybe you've had stuff happen, partner, walk out, parents that didn't value you, friends that let you down. Maybe you've been sexually abused in the past. Please do not allow those circumstances to define who you are. You have to settle in your heart today and believe what Proverbs 31.10 says. A capable, intelligent and virtuous woman, who is he who can find her? She's far more precious than jewels and her value is far above Rubies and pearls. The Bible says it. We get to believe it. You know, the core of who I was was very damaged as a little girl. And my, my value was ripped out from within me. And there were, there were a lot of years where I, I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Even when I first got married, I said to Paul, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I feel like a little girl on the inside. And I was 22 when I got married, but I felt like a child on the inside. And the reality was my emotional state had been damaged at a, at a, at a little girl. My emotions had been traumatised. And so I, was, I hadn't matured into a woman on the inside. I didn't feel like a woman. And I've had to allow God to take me on a journey to grow me up and grow into who he created me to be. I am going to ask the team to come back.
I've had to allow God to do what he had to do, heart surgery on me, painful stuff. But I didn't want to stay where I was. I wanted to feel like a woman on the inside. I didn't want to stay as a little girl because that's what happens with people and I see it all the time. I understand it because I've been there where they just don't deal with their stuff so their whole life they're reacting out of this little girl or this little boy that was hurt and damaged rather than being strong and growing in grace and mercy and love. And I had to know it for myself on the inside so what I had to do was harness my self-talk I had to learn to speak out that truth as a weapon against the enemy, man and enemy. And I had to learn to stand and decide once and for all, draw the line in the sand and believe who God says I was. Let's make a decision to allow God to define us, to define who you are, which is beautiful, precious, Valuable, a daughter destined for greatness, a diamond in the hand of God. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 